Welcome to the Truth For Today podcast with your host, Joseph Franta, international minister, speaker, and Bible school instructor. Stay tuned for today's episode. Welcome to another podcast of Truth For Today. I'm Joseph Franta of Joseph Franta Ministries. By the way, we have a website where all these Podcasts are archived on the book of Ephesians, and that's what we're studying and have been for a couple of months now. It's uh, josephranaministriesplural.org. And if you'll uh, just go there on a search, uh, you'll find our website and you'll find our podcast. You'll find my LinkedIn devotionals uh, that I do uh, quite often during the week. Uh, they're all scriptural, uh, all Bible-based, and I believe they'll encourage you and uh, help you, strengthen you, and inspire you. Well, today we're going to continue with this great book of Ephesians. The Apostle Paul wrote this book. He is the author. He wrote it in prison, uh, and it was a circular letter that went out to uh, a number of churches in Asia, but the letter was written to the Ephesian church, which was a large church uh, in Asia at that time, and uh, some uh, historians believe it was possibly 50,000 people at one time. He also had a a Bible school in that area called the School of Tyrannus, and uh, he taught in that school for two years, and it says all Asia was reached with the gospel, so it must have been quite a powerful Bible school uh, because uh, it had a great influence over a far-ranging area. So we're going to pick up in Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, in verse 10, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Here's the Apostle Paul uh, instructing Uh, people to learn what's pleasing to God, what pleases God. And uh, I'm not going to go into that a lot today because I covered it in the last podcast. In verse 11, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. So he says, don't get dirty with the world. Uh, Don't participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Stay in the light, stay in purity, walk with a pure heart before God, and uh, even expose, he says, the things that are ungodly. Verse 12, for it is disgraceful even to speak of these things which are done by them in secret, talking about uh, sexual perversion and the like. But all things become visible when we, uh, when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. So, you know, people may think they're hiding things in darkness, but let me tell you, the day is approaching when God's going to shine His light on their activities. And this is what it says, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. That's almost a prophetic word here in this book of Ephesians that God will expose the deeds of darkness that people are practicing 
in the darkness. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, since God's going to expose it, you know, the Bible says in the Old Testament, be sure of this, that your sin will find you out. Be sure, he says of this. So, it says in verse 14, for this reason it says, awake sleeper, don't be dull. Don't be spiritually asleep, spiritually dead, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So if you wake up spiritually, the light of Christ will shine on you, and you'll get the revelation of what God is doing in this hour. And you can line up with what God's doing and be a part of it. Wow, what a privilege. What an honor. To, to be a worker together with God. Therefore, <clears throat> verse 15, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. This is so important that we walk in the wisdom of God. The Bible says, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So God, the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproof. Okay. So we're to awake from our spiritual sleep. We're to awake to righteousness, righteous living, thinking, doing. We're to arise from dead religion, and Christ will shine on us with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Verse 15, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Well, certainly no one could contest today that was in Christ that the days are evil. So God says, make the most of your time. And the King James says, redeeming the time, buying it back, using every opportunity, making use of every opportunity to share Christ, to witness Jesus Christ to this lost and dying world. Verse 17, so then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God wants us to understand his will. <coughs> Excuse me. A lot of times people pray a prayer, and at the end they attach this little phrase, if it be thy will, and they just totally destroy God ever answering that prayer. Because God wants us to pray in faith. And we are to pray the word of God. We are to study to show ourselves approved of God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or accurately handling the word of truth. God has very specific instructions about prayer. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. 
In all things you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. This is the confidence, another verse, and this is the confidence that we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have desired of him. But it's according to his word. Get in the word, find out what the will of God is. Because if you're praying the will of God, your prayers will always be answered. <clears throat> I, will, I will put a, a little nuance in here. There are things that aren't specifically mentioned in the word of God. So when people pray, okay, Lord, if it be your will, if it's not specifically mentioned in the word of God, you know, that is an acceptable way to pray, but it's not the normal, general way to pray according to the word of God. Jesus said, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Mark eleven twenty four. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Matthew 21, 21. And all things you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. There's many, many other verses. And we need to learn the different types of prayer in the Bible. There is the prayer of faith, the prayer of healing, the prayer of consecration, the prayer of dedication. There's all sorts of prayers. And I don't want to lump all prayer into one little bag because there's guidelines, rules, if you want to call them, for each kind of prayer that the Lord talks about. There's the prayer of intercession. This is so important in this day. Standing in the gap for another. Standing in the place of another. Interceding on behalf of another that they might discover the will of God for their lives and they might be saved and delivered from the domain of darkness. Intercession is a powerful, powerful kind of prayer. And there's others. The prayer of faith is a mighty form of prayer. These are all written in the Word of God, mainly in the Gospels and the Epistles. And you do well to study the different kinds of prayer. Just in this book alone, the book of Ephesians, Paul has some mighty scriptural anointed prayers in Ephesians 1 and 3. There's another one in Ephesians chapter 1 about, Lord, fill us with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding that we might walk in a manner worthy of you, Lord, to please you, there it is again, to please you in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to your glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share 
in the inheritance of the saints in light. That's Ephesians chapter 1, 9 through 12. I pray it very often, as you can see, I've memorized it. You know, if you pray God's word back to him, you're guaranteed an answer because it's according to his will. His word is his will. People want to know, well, what is the will of God? The will of God is the word of God. And like I said, if, if it's not specifically in the word of God, then you pray according to the spirit, how the spirit leads you to pray. The Bible says we don't know how to pray as we should, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Utterances, divine, spiritual utterances. That's another form of intercession, praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues. People say, oh, I don't want to do that. That's so foolish. Well, I guess the Bible says that the foolishness of God is stronger than man. When you pray in the Spirit, the utterances of God by the Holy Spirit, God will get so involved with your prayers. In other words, even the word intercession in the Old Testament means to be twisted together with. You'll get so intertwined with God and His will and His mind through intercession, your life will take on a whole new understanding of who God is. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, it says that the Spirit of God came upon them in the form of tongues of fire and speaking divine utterances or speaking in other tongues. It was a supernatural day in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. But that day and that performance of God was not relegated to just that one historical day. That was the beginning of the church age, birthed by the Spirit of God, ignited by the fire of God. And the people went out preaching Jesus everywhere. And the first day, 3,000 people were saved when Peter opened his mouth and preached under the anointing of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which came upon him. And then a few, if you read the book of Acts, you'll see other times 5,000 people, along with women and children, got saved. Why? Because the preaching was by the power of God. And I want to just mention something to you along this line. The Bible specifically says to preach and teach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn aside from the truth of God's word and will turn aside to myths 
like humanism and all this other idolatry that is being practiced today. One of the reasons why Paul was not so effective in Athens when he went there, he didn't really, there was no church ever established in Athens. There were churches established in many places where Paul went. In, in Ephesus, Galatia, Macedonia, Philippi, Thessalonians, or Thessalonica with the Thessalonians, Berea, Corinth. But strangely enough, when Paul went to Athens, their city was so full of religious idols and deities and gods, false gods, of course. He couldn't get very far. He did a relate or preach or discuss with the Greek philosophers of the day. But he learned something in Athens because right after he left Athens, he went to Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said in the message and the preaching, he said, I did not come with persuasive words of man's wisdom like he had heard in Athens. But he said, I, I came in demonstration of the spirit and power in order that your faith should not rest in the wisdom of man, some intellectual argument, but in the power of God. You know, this is so important. I want to just stop here because, you know, this is something that, I tell you, I, I think it's extremely important that people know and recognize this, that there was absolutely no church ever established in Athens, and Paul never went there again. But when he left there and went to Corinth, which was not very far away, another real pagan city, he wrote this, and I want to go back to this. I want to read you word for word what he wrote. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. That's what happened in Athens. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now, <clears throat> this is how I view this verse. Paul was not a weak man. He was not a fearful man. But I believe that when he saw all the idols in Corinth and all the sexual perversion, it affected his spirit man. And he said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling for the city of Corinth not for himself. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, man's wisdom, says in another translation, but in demonstration of the Spirit, Spirit of God, upon him, within him and upon him, and of power, that your faith should not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Today we have a lot of modern day preaching that is not the power of God. They're not preaching the word of God. Not everybody, but there's certain ones 
that they have uh, thought that they had to be culturally correct, culturally relevant, and they're not preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, they're not preaching the redemption of Christ through his shed blood on the cross. They've departed from that. They barely ever mentioned the blood of Christ. And also, they have to have all sorts of illustrated messages because where's the anointing? Where's the power? Where's the demonstration of the Spirit? The Spirit demonstrates the Word. And Jesus said, these signs shall follow the preaching of the Word. Signs, wonders, and miracles shall follow the preaching of the Word. Read about it in Mark chapter 16. So if we are not preaching the word with signs following, we're not preaching it by the Spirit of God. If we're just preaching some nice social justice message, we are not going to see God anoint that message. He's going to anoint his word. And I remember Brother Kenneth E. Hagin taught us in Bible school that the anointing is on the word. That's why we need to preach the word. And much of the modern day church has departed from the word. They think that, you know, they can accomplish the will of God without God's instructions, without God's holiness, with God, without God's righteousness, and without walking by the Spirit and living by the Spirit. It's a problem. That's why Paul said, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke. That's what I'm doing right now. Exhort with all that's in you. With all instruction. With everything you know. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They'll take, the world will creep in and has crept into the body of Christ. And we're more concerned by entertainment and lights and, and fog machines than we are with the true anointing going forth in our services that will transform people's lives. The Bible says this about the anointing. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. And the gospel is getting more and more veiled in some of our churches. But in 2 Corinthians 3, and I'll get back to Ephesians just in just a minute. But in 2 Corinthians 3, I want to read this. Verse 17. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, this is 1 Corinthians 3, 16. But whenever a person turns to the Lord and lets the Lord be Lord, of their life, their church, their marriage, the veil is taken away, the veil of religion. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. The Spirit. The Spirit of God is the Lord. He's just as much God as God the Father and God the Son. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, Freedom from all things, it says in the book of Acts. 
It says that in Christ you can be freed from all all things from which you could not be freed by the law, by religion, by religious rules and legalism. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom to worship. You know, when I go to these foreign countries, I was sharing with someone the other day, Nigeria, I've been there five times. Those people worship God with all their heart. In fact, they don't put a limit on the worship. There's not a time limit on how, you know, we worship for 20 minutes, we take up our offering for 20 minutes, and then we have preaching for 20 or 30 minutes. No, they let the Holy Spirit direct the service. And by the time you get up to preach in Nigeria, the presence of God is so strong, you don't need to work into anything. You just step into the power of God and go with it. Same thing in many other places, Ivory Coast, Ethiopia. Oh, how they worship God in Ethiopia. I've been there, I don't know, three times. Pakistan, oh, I've been there a number of times. Oh, how they worship God in Pakistan. I mean, they just, with all their hearts. And on and on it goes. But here in America, we're so reserved. You know, we, and actually, we're not seeing the things that God wants to see in his church here, which are the gifts of the Spirit operating, signs, wonders, and miracles, healings, prophetic words, inspiration, coming to the congregation so they can experience elevation in God. Oh, yes. It's God's will that inspiration come to the congregation so they can experience elevation in God. God told John, the apostle in the book of Revelation, come up higher, come up here, come up higher. And we're supposed to be doing this. In 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom because the Spirit of the Lord breaks every yoke of bondage and lifts every burden. Verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face, in other words, we're not under some religious veil, looking at God through some religious system, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Ooh, the glory. That is the Shekinah glory. That is the place where God dwells lives, moves, and manifests is in the glory. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror or glass, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Woo! Conformed to the image of Christ from glory to glory, 
even as by the Spirit of the Lord in the original Greek. So we are to move from glory to glory. When God shows up, the glory shows up. When God's Spirit is present, there is liberty and freedom to lift your hands and worship God with all your heart and not just some, you know, oh, praise you, Jesus, some weak worship. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Let your praise be full of passion, the passion of praise. Let your prayer be full of passion, the passion of prayer. You know, we need the power of God in the church, and I'm going to end with this. People say, well, where's the power of God? It's all in the book of Acts. It's in the you know, Bible. Where is it today? This is what you have to do to see the power. If you want the power of God, you have to pray it out. Speak it out. Shout it out. Act it out. And praise it out. It's not going to just happen by you just sitting there intellectually thinking about God. You got to get engaged with the Holy Spirit of God in your church services, in your worship, in your preaching, in your praying. And as you pray out the power, it'll manifest. As you speak out the power, it'll manifest. And as you act out the power, it'll manifest. Thank you for being with me again today on Truth For Today. Look at our website, josephfranaministries.com. It's my honor, my privilege, and my great joy to bring you this program. Have a great day.